This is Foothill Family Church with Mike Webb. Building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word. Acts chapter 2, it says there were 3,000 people that got saved on the day of Pentecost. Notice verse 42, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and breaking of bread and prayers. What does that mean? It means you see the love of God demonstrated among the church for one another. The characteristic of a spirit-filled life. A characteristic of caring about one another as much as they care for themselves. And then it says, And fear came upon every, uh, every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. Then it tells us a little bit further how much they cared about each other. They started selling their stuff so that everybody was taken care of. You tell me that's not a change in life? Never done that before. Something has changed in these people. So they continue. They continue in unity. They continue in love for one another. They care about one another. They care about their brother as much as they care about themselves because everybody is in this new experience of being saved and filled with the Holy Ghost. And man, isn't life wonderful? Acts chapter 3 tells us about the man at the beautiful gate that was, that was healed. The Holy Ghost comes on Peter and he preaches to the crowd and says, it's faith in the name of Jesus that made his, this man strong. 5,000 people get saved. Why? Because of a demonstration of power. Now, I want you to notice in Acts chapter 2, 3,000 people got saved because of a demonstration of the outpouring of the Holy Ghost, a sign. Now, the sign didn't do it. The preaching after the sign got him saved, got, told him about Jesus and got him saved. But you can't say that the sign was unimportant. Nobody would have listened to what Peter had to say without seeing the sign and hearing him say, this is what Joel prophesied. Same thing in Acts chapter 3, 5,000 people get saved. Why? Because of a sign a display of power. So if we stop right here and examine or analyze what's going on, we'd have to say that Jesus knew what he was talking about. If you're going to be a witness in Jerusalem or Judea, Samaria, or in the uttermost part of the earth, you need the power of God to get the people's attention. Who knows? Jesus took a chance and just happened to be right. What would make us think that if God's plan was for the church to grow that way to begin with, that his plan for the church to grow would be in any other manner or method today? Would he not want the same power to cause the same results in the people? Well, if not, I'd sure would like somebody to explain to me why not. Well, that was just a sign to begin the church. In other words, God's gotten stingy with the rain. The promise to Israel was, if you'll obey me, if you'll depend on me, I'll give you the rain every year in the season when you need to plant it and the season you need it to harvest. But for you, Israel was my servants and I took care of them that way. But for you who are my children, no, it's going to be tough. It's going to be hard sledding for you. No outpouring of the Holy Ghost for you. I want to make things as tough as I can. So then they get called. Peter and John get called before the council, same ones that crucified Jesus. Then the Holy Ghost gives Peter the words to say, you men and brethren, you're the ones that crucified Jesus, but he's alive. We're witnesses of this. And we've done this great healing work in the name of Jesus. Man, the Jews huddle up and say, how'd these ignorant men get this kind of knowledge or ability? Well, that's a good question. How'd they get it? It's the power of the Holy Ghost. It's the outpouring of the Holy Ghost that has made this man 
strong. It's the outpouring of the Holy Ghost that enabled them to use the name of Jesus in the way Jesus intended for them to do when he told them they'd do the same works and greater works than he did because he's going to the Father. It's not the name of Jesus or the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. It's the outpouring of the Holy Ghost to use the name of Jesus. So they threatened them. They said, don't preach or teach anymore in this name. So what did they do? Well, verse 20, what is it? Verse 23, and being let go, they went to their own company and reported all the chief priests and elders had said unto them. Now stop right here because I want to take you to some other scriptures, some Old Testament scriptures that, that correspond to these things. We just saw that Joel's prophecy is for the outpouring of the rain, which is the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. The former and the latter rain, the early and the latter rain, whichever way you want to say it, is a, a, an Old Testament illustration of the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. We know that Hosea 6.3 said that God would come to us as the rain. In other words, the rain is a, the type, the Old Testament illustration for the New Testament fulfillment for the church of the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. Now, what were we supposed to do or what were they supposed to do? What were we instructed from the Old Testament to do regarding the rain? Look at Zechariah chapter 10. Zechariah chapter 10 tells you what to do regarding the rain. Verse 1, ask ye, everybody say ask. Ask ye of the Lord rain in the time of the latter rain. Now, if the Holy Ghost is consistent, then we would have to understand or have to assume that the same example or illustration he uses for the rain in one book is the illustration he uses for the rain in the other book. As I said, for Israel, there were two applications. It had a natural application, meaning rain to produce crops or a harvest for them. But for us, a spiritual application for the outpouring of the Holy Ghost to produce the harvest that God wants for us to produce, which is people being one into the kingdom of God. That was the harvest that it produced for them in the book of Acts, right? 3,000 people on the day of Pentecost, 5,000 people in Acts 3. God doesn't seem to have a problem with numbers. So what is the instruction to the people of God from the Old Testament regarding the rain? Ask ye of the Lord rain in the time of the latter rain. That means for them, Depend on God and ask for rain, literal rain, natural rain to produce the harvest that you need to survive because the land that flows with milk and honey is a land that's watered by the rains of heaven. Dependent on God. So ask you of the Lord rain in the time of the latter rain. For the church, the spiritual application is ask for the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. Ask you of the Lord rain in the time of the latter rain. When do we know it's time for the latter rain? Well, Joel told us that. Joel told us that the time of the latter rain begins when the Holy Ghost is poured out. What we know of is Acts chapter 2. The time of the Holy Ghost will continue through the great and terrible day of the Lord. All the way through the church age and even through the tribulation period. So he says, ask for the Lord, ask of the Lord rain in the time of the latter rain. For us, the church, we're not going to be here after the church age ends. So for us, that would mean ask of the Lord rain during the church age. Ask for the outpouring of the Holy Ghost during the church age. Ask of the Lord rain. Ask of the Lord for the outpouring of the Holy Ghost once he's been given. What's God going to do if we do that? Ask of the Lord rain in the time of the latter rain. So the Lord shall make bright clouds. Bright clouds is one of the most difficult translations in the scripture. It's not a wrong translation. It's not a bad translation. It just doesn't mean too much for many people. 
There are two things, two ways this word can be translated. It's translated, it's only used in another, one other time in the scripture, and that's the book of Job. And it's translated lightnings. Lightnings. Ask of the Lord rain in the time of the latter rain, so the Lord shall make lightnings. What does that mean? Well, lightning is a display of power. We certainly see that that fits according to Acts chapter 3. But bright clouds works too because bright clouds is a sign or a symbol or a description of the cloud of glory in the Old Testament that God always manifested his presence in. So when it says, ask of the Lord rain in the time of the latter rain, so the Lord shall make bright clouds or lightnings, it means God will display his power and he'll manifest his presence. If we'll only ask. Now, what is the display of power and the manifested presence of God going to produce? So the Lord shall make bright clouds and give them showers of rain, give them outpourings of the Holy Ghost to every man or to produce for every person, everyone that's asking, grass in the field. What does that signify? Harvest. People. People. To signify the harvest of people being won into the kingdom of God. Is that not exactly what happened in Acts chapter 2 and Acts chapter 3? 3,000 people got saved on Acts, in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost because of this, uh, the manifested presence of God, the outpouring of the Holy Ghost that manifested in speaking in other tongues, which it always does when people are filled. And just hearing the preaching of what this is, this is Joel's prophecy, this is beginning the church age, this is beginning the period, the dispensation of the Holy Ghost. And folks, that's what Joel's prophecy is. It's the announcing of the dispensation of the Holy Ghost. In other words, the announcing of the time that the Holy Ghost will work among the people of God. Never happened before. This is the one unique time in the history of the world, the history of the universe, where the Holy Ghost is directed to manifest himself and to operate, is in the church age. The one and only one time. Only one period. That's what's so funny to me, because you've got people in the church saying, well, the day of miracles is past. Are you kidding me? This is the time when the Holy Ghost is doing them. It's the only time that he's designated to do them. And the church is sitting around saying, it's not time anymore. Give me a break. But that's what happens when you, do, when you substitute doctrine of men for the word of God. Ask of the Lord rain in the time of the latter rain. So the Lord shall make bright clouds and give them showers of rain to everyone grass in the field. So what's the instruction to the church? This only applies to the church. It applied to Israel naturally to ask for rain for the crops. But it only applies to the church in this regard. And that is the church is supposed to ask for the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. That's the only instruction we're given about the Holy Ghost. Ask for him to move. Join Mike Webb and Foothill Family Church every Sunday night at 6 p.m. for our weekly healing school. Healing school is for those who are in need of being healed from sickness in their body, as well as those who want to strengthen their faith in the area of healing. Now, whatever somebody, you or me or somebody else might think of why Jesus healed the sick, Matthew 8, 17 tells us why he healed everybody that was sick. Jesus healed all that were sick that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. 
Foothill Family Church is in Orange County at the corner of Bake Parkway and Lake Forest Drive, just minutes off the 5 Freeway. To learn more about how you and your family can connect with Foothill Family Church, simply log on to mikeweb.tv. Foothill Family Church, building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word. Now back to Acts chapter 4. With that in mind, they were threatened and commanded not to preach or teach anymore in the name of Jesus. Verse 23, and being let go, they went to their own company and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said unto them. And when they heard that, we don't know how many are there, but it's a group of people gathered together. When they heard that, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord and said, one accord means same heart, same mind, same purpose. There is nobody leading this prayer in English or Greek or any other language. When it says they lifted up their voice, it means they're all praying. This has to, therefore, be the Holy Ghost interpretation for what they're praying in other tongues. Because they're all praying together. Here's what God hears them speak in other tongues. Lord, thou art God, which has made heaven and earth and the sea and all that in them is, who by the mouth of thy servant David has said, why did the heathen rage and the people imagine vain things? The kings of the earth stood up and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For of a truth against thy holy child Jesus, whom thou hast anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together. For to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determined before to be done. And now, Lord, behold their threatenings. And grant unto thy servants, not the apostles, the servants, meaning all the people in the church. Grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word by In other words, here's what we want the boldness to be caused by. Now, folks, remember, and you judge this for yourself, but if there's nobody leading this prayer out and other people are just sitting idly by listening and saying amen at the end, if they're all praying this together in other tongues, please notice what the Holy Ghost is impressing upon them is giving them unction to pray about him. Grant unto thy servants boldness that they may speak thy word by stretching forth your hand to heal and the signs and wonders may be done in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ or thy holy child Jesus. If this is them praying in tongues, this is Holy Ghost giving them utterance, giving them a supernatural means of praying to ask that he would move. Now that brings me to another point. If he wants to move, why didn't he just move? Clearly, he wants to move if he's impressing upon them to pray that he had moved. But if he wants to move, why didn't he just move? Because God is limited by our prayer life. You're the one that has authority here on the earth, not the Holy Ghost. And God's a gentleman. He won't force his way into something, even if it's for your benefit. That's why he gives you his word and instructions about what to do and how to operate. So that then he can do his perfect will in your life. But you have to want it. If God just did things for people because it was good for them, everybody would get saved on their own or by his work. But it's not. It's according to the will of man. Everything in your life is according to your will, not God's will. That's why it's so important for us to submit our will to his. Chapter 5, verse 12, And by the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders wrought among the people. And they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. And of the rest dared no man join themselves to them. That must have been what Ananias and Sapphira did in the beginning of the chapter. 
The rest dared no man join himself to them, but the people magnified them. And believers were the more added to the Lord multitude, both of men and women. Insomuch that they brought forth the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and couches, that at the least the shadow of Peter passing by might overshadow some of them. There came also a multitude out of the cities round about unto Jerusalem, bringing sick folks and them which were vexed with unclean spirits, and a few of them were healed. And they were healed, every one. Folks, notice what the rain does. The rain sweeps everybody in. Now, I skipped over some important verses in chapter 4. Notice it says in verse 32, And the multitude of them that believed were one heart and one soul. In other words, it shows their attitude toward one another. They're still of the same mind, the same purpose. They're still giving to one another. It talks about how they sold stuff and provided for each one and so forth. It shows a heart of love toward each other. That's a key point. Not to be overlooked. It's not just a matter of prayer. You've got to pray with the right heart toward one another but notice what happens when the holy ghost is in control of the church when the holy ghost is in control of the church how do we know he's in control because the people are living and exemplifying spirit-filled lives they're being controlled in their prayer life by the holy ghost how do we know that because they're praying for what the bible says to pray for which is the outpouring of the spirit furthermore they care about each other how do they care about each other well they care about each other physically because they're trying to provide so that everybody has enough to eat. I wonder if their care for one another extends to any other direction or any other manner. I wonder if there's any sick in their midst that they care about those. Or are they just pigeonholing their concern for one another? Folks, they care about each other in every way that's possible. They're in a position, they're, they're, they're flowing down a river where they say everything is possible. Not anything is possible. Everything is possible. All we have to do is stay in the right mind, stay hooked up together, care about one another, and do what the Bible says and pray for the Holy Ghost. Then when the Holy Ghost gives us something to say, we say it, and man, look, if people are even healed in the streets. Please notice, folks, this is what the latter rain looks like to God. I don't know what it looks like to you and me. But here's what it looks like to God. When the Holy Ghost is in control of the church and the church is praying and operating toward one another the way that they should, people are healed in the streets. Now, don't tell me that that day is past because it's still the day of the Holy Ghost. Turn with me over to James chapter 5. The book of James is one of the first books that was written of the New Testament, first letters. It's after the persecution takes place to scatter the Jews out of Jerusalem, which the Bible tells us takes place pretty early in the book of Acts. And so James is writing to those that are scattered. Now, he fully well expects the people that are scattered to get other people saved and to have congregations of their own. Now, I don't know who's in charge of those congregations, and I can't imagine that James would know either. But James writes to the church and says, here's the way the church ought to operate. And that's that's the, the, the meaning behind, especially the fifth chapter of James. James talks about some other stuff, living the right kind of life and so forth. Not just claiming to be a Christian, but really living it out in your life. But he's talking about in chapter 5, particularly about here's how the church should operate. Is any afflicted? Let him pray. In other words, God will hear your prayers. You can pray yourself out of trouble. Is any merry? Let him sing psalms. Is any sick among you? The implication is there shouldn't be. Or if there is, you can certainly do something about it. 
Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church. Let them, the elders, pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he's committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Can I ask you a question? How does James know whoever's in charge of the church, whoever the elders are, are anointed to do this? See, folks, here's how we read this. Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church. And the elders will anoint him with oil, and the prayer of faith shall save the sick. Why? Because the elders are supposed to have something. How in the world could James say, by the Holy Ghost, with certainty, this always works? What if you got an ungodly elder? What if you got an Ananias and Sapphira that have worked their way into the church, the early stages of a church that has been started through a, a, the, the scattered, uh, scattered Jews because of the persecution? Does he know everybody that's out there? Is there any way anybody could know everybody that's out there? How does he know that somebody's in the right spiritual frame of mind? How does he know that the elders, whoever the elders are going to be, are going to be anointed of God, equipped of God? How does he know who he's talking about? Obviously, he's inspired by the Holy Ghost to say it. How does he know? Because it's not supposed to be about the anointing on the elders. Let's keep reading. Is any sick among you, let them call for the elders of the church and let them, the elders, pray over him, the sick, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord and the prayer of faith shall save the sick and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he's committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Don't stop reading with verse 16. Confess your faults one to another. In other words, keep walking in love. Stay in the unity of the spirit. Have the same heart and the same mind toward one another that the church at Jerusalem did where we see in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 2 and Acts chapter 4, where they're praying for the move of the Holy Ghost and caring about one another. You know, part of their prayer, part of them being in one accord is that they're prevailing in prayer for the sick in their midst. So he says, confess your faults one to another. Follow the pattern that the book of Acts sets. Confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that you may be healed. Now, who does he mean you? Does he mean Jim Jones in the church? Jim, make sure you pray for other people so you can get healed. He's talking to everybody. He's saying when you pray for everybody, you get healed. Why? Because when you pray the way that the Holy Ghost tells you to pray, you're praying for an outpouring of the Holy Ghost, and that gets people healed in the streets. Confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that you may be healed because the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Well, if it creates an outpouring of the Holy Ghost, I'd say that avails much. What kind of prayer are we supposed to pray? The same kind of prayer, the same kind of fervent effective, effectual prayer that Elijah prayed. Verse 17, Elijah was a man subject to like passions as we are, and he prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and it rained not on the earth by the space of three months, three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit. Son of a gun. The example he uses for praying for one another and praying for the sick is praying for the rain. Oh, Pastor Mike, you're just grabbing at straws now. You're just pulling stuff out of the air. Really? You're there in James chapter 5? Are you reading along with me? Back up to verse 7. Be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. Behold, the husbandman waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth and has long patience for it until he received the early and the latter rain. Now, that, folks, that's one heck of a coincidence. 
That is one mighty strong coincidence for him to talk about the early and the latter rain, talk about praying for one another so that we all get healed, and then uses the example of Elijah praying for the rain. I made this statement. I think this is the point where I didn't finish last week. James chapter 5, verse, uh, what is it, verse 14, where it says, um, oh, verse 15, I'm sorry. It says, in the prayer of faith, the word prayer there is the word declaration. And the declaration of faith shall save the sick. The word save is the word heal. It's translated heal. It's the same word that's, uh, that Jesus said to the woman with issue of blood, daughter, your faith has made you whole. The statement or the declaration of faith shall save or heal the sick. How can James say by the Holy Ghost with absolute certainty? He didn't say the chances are good. He didn't use say the odds were in your favor. He used absolute certainty in speaking about the prayer or declaration of faith saving the sick. How can he know that it will work every time? Because it's clear that it doesn't work every time in the way that we're operating today in the church. So the church is praying the prayer of faith for the sick. The elders are just anointing with oil and declaring be healed which is exactly the picture we have in the book of Acts when people were healed in the streets have you ever noticed that when Paul talks to the church at Corinth about the manifestation of the Holy Ghost in other words how the Holy Ghost manifests himself in this dispensation where he works have you ever noticed that part of the chapter the biggest part of chapter 12 is about how the body works together you ever notice that what in the world is Paul talking about the church being a, uh, members one of another like a body works together? What's he talking about that for when he starts off talking about things pertaining to and of the Holy Ghost? Because if we don't pray for another, one another, if we don't care enough about each other to pray that God would help us in our midst, how in the world are we ever going to get God to do something for us? Now, folks, I'm not asking you to pray an hour a day. I'm not asking you to pray an hour for each sick person. I'm not asking you to do anything except pray for the move of the Holy Ghost. Set time. Make sure that at least sometime in every day you're asking God to move by the Spirit of the Lord. Start off something simple like this. Saying, Lord, your word says that we're supposed to ask you for the rain in the time of the latter rain. So I ask you to move by the Holy Ghost. That's as far as I know. Now, Holy Ghost, you help me to pray in other tongues. And then do. Short or long, doesn't matter. I'll tell you this. The more you give yourself to it, the more it'll come to you. Ask of the Lord rain in the time of the latter rain. No conditions. Ask And he'll give the rain. He'll make bright clouds. He'll display his power. He'll manifest his presence. And he'll give showers of rain so that it produces grass in the field. The church is supposed to be about people caring for one another, praying for the move of the Holy Ghost, and prevailing in prayer for the sick. Just like they prayed in Acts chapter 4. Grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak your word by stretching forth your hand to heal and that signs and wonders would be done in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what it's going to take. And that's the only thing that's going to get it done. And I believe with all of my heart that it's going to happen. I believe we're going to have people healed in the streets too. I believe we're going to have miracles of healings that draw people in like nothing they've ever seen or heard before. And not because of us, not because we're so great, not even because we're, we're great in prayer. Because it's time. Because the end is coming. The time is short. And there is a great work to be done. 
God's Word is the answer for every problem we'll face in this life. What a privilege it is to believe God and to walk by faith. Come visit us at Foothill Family Church. This is Foothill Family Church with Mike Webb. So Jesus is saying, wait for the miracle worker. Wait for the miracle worker. Wait for the miracle worker. I want to impress upon you, hammer it in if necessary, that the job of the Holy Ghost is to work miracles. Join us Sundays at 9.30 a.m. and 6 p.m. or Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Visit us online at mikeweb.tv. Foothill Family Church, building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word.